Hello, basketball fans. Welcome to another episode of your favorite women's basketball podcast, ESPNW's Around the Rim. I am LaChana Robinson, joined by my fantastic and fabulous producer, Tarika Foster-Brasby. I'm actually going to say that twice in this episode, so <laughs> Tarika is lucky. I'm going to introduce her later on. When our special guests join us, just so you know, on the show, we will have the one and only I don't even know if fantastic is grand enough of a word to describe her. Uh, Monica McNutt, who to me is a generational talent in all of sport, not just in women's basketball, just in all sport. As a, a media personality, as an analyst, as a reporter, she is phenomenal. And she's going to join our show to talk about game one. That's right. That's the headliner is that the WNBA finals are happening now. Game one was on Sunday in Phoenix. Chicago Sky won game one, 91 to 77. Uh, and it had a lot to do with the balance of the sky. Six players in double figures, including Stephanie Dolson with 14, who was six for eight from the field, pulling Brittany Griner out of the paint. Uh, Chicago shot 53% from the field, 35% from long range. They had, uh, wow, 19 points off of Mercury turnovers, though Mercury did have 24 points off of Chicago turnovers as well. But it was the second quarter where Chicago went on a 17-0 run, picked up the pace, and basically ran Phoenix out of gas. Uh, No making excuses for Phoenix on this podcast, but they were exhausted. They had just played Friday night had Vegas in a very emotional game five to even get to the finals. Then they had to turn around and play 12 o'clock local time on Sunday. So anyway, and also Phoenix gets Sophie Cunningham back. They have been a little bit shorthanded. They were out Sophie Cunningham without Kia Nurse. We'll see if fatigue is an excuse or not on Wednesday for game two, but back to Chicago because they have earned this moment they looked incredibly ready to for a, a big finals run. I mean, the way they looked on Sunday, they could sweep. Copper had 21 and 10. If you have not heard the name Kalia Copper, she's a star. And she was fantastic. All of her athleticism was on display. We'll get to her a little bit later in the show. But there's just no one like her in, in these finals. I don't think there's anyone really like her in the league. We were talking, um, talking to Sue Bird about this on set. We are fortunate enough to have Sue Bird and Carolyn Peck on our studio set for finals. And I said, well, she reminds me a little of Marie Ferdinand for my old school WNBA folks. Sue said she reminded her of Angel McCautry, which is a huge compliment. Long story short, you get the gist. She can blow by you. Um, She can knock down the three, which is different from what Angel's game gave you. Um, But Copper is is phenomenal. Candace Parker, her defense was (laughs) outstanding. She had 16 points, eight rebounds, three assists with seven for 10, but she picked up several offensive fouls on Phoenix's end. We'll get into that later. And her leadership on the Chicago Sky team is, wow, uh, very impressive. And the reason why they're here, Courtney Vandersloot had 12 points, 11 assists, five rebounds, and zero turnovers. The first player in WNBA Finals history with a 10, 10, and five game with zero turnovers. Allie Quigley had 18 points. As Ray Stevens, yeah, also in double figures with 10 points and eight rebounds. Wow, Stevens is having quite the return coming off of a couple of shaky first few years in her career due to injury. She's been healthy and playing at a very high level under the 
mentoring of Candace Parker. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much it for, for game one. On the Phoenix side, Shea Petty started off hot once again for Phoenix. She had nine in the game, played some solid defense. Brianna Turner had seven points, nine rebounds, three assists, got more comfortable as the game went on. I thought that she gave Candace Parker some early looks that were a little shocking. I was like, wait, is Phoenix just going to let Candace shoot jumpers? But I think we'll see a different defense from Brianna Turner in game two. Not that that's going to stop Candace Parker. Uh, 20 points for Brittany Griner, but seven for 15. I think many of us would love to see Brittany get 25 shots. Um, she is to me, the player that's most unguardable when playing at her highest level in these, in these finals. Um, she had six rebounds, uh, four personal fouls, three assists. There was a little bit mixing up of defense on BG, but to me, she's just got to be more demanding of the ball and really create problems for Chicago's defense. Skylar Diggins-Smith, 15 points. I'll get into a little bit of what I want to see from Skylar in game two later in the show. Diana had 17, but had six turnovers and five personal fouls. Uh, Diana's got to be better, and I'm sure she'd be the first to say that. She seemed very frustrated um, after game one, during game one. Last but not least, the bench for Phoenix, I thought, really struggled. Kia Vaughn was two for seven, had five turnovers, four personal fouls. Bria Hartley was one for eight with five points. Uh, Megan Walker had to play seven minutes and then uh, Alana Smith got some minutes, but I feel like it was later after the game had gotten out of hand. Phoenix shot 44% from the field and um, 47% from long range. So we'll get into a, a little bit of this with Monica McNutt. We also have on the show, uh, also Chicago had 48 points in the paint. This is why later on, you're going to get my hot take of what I think Phoenix needs to do um, about this 48 points in the paint for Chicago. Um, we're going to have Monica McNutt come on and, and talk a little bit about game one. And then we will also have Renee Montgomery, just a quick soundbite. She stopped by to talk about the hiring of Tanisha Wright as the new head coach for the Atlanta dream. Uh, Tanisha enjoyed a very successful WNBA career as a player. Uh, you might most, you should most recently know her from her time alongside Bill Lambeer um, with the Las Vegas Aces. I have been in some of those ACEs uh, practices with Tanisha, and I will say that her basketball knowledge, her X and O knowledge, her ability to really um, connect with players is, is incredible. Um, she had 14 years of experience in the league as a player and a coach all together. Um, I feel pretty good about her relationship and connection with Renee Montgomery, which she will speak about later. Renee is the owner and vice president of the Atlanta dream, but I just wholly believe in what Tanisha will be able to do. You know, she and I even kept in touch a little bit in the off season because she did some college coaching and I just always enjoy picking her brain. Um, she spent 10 seasons in Seattle, so I can't wait to hear what Sue has to say. Um, you know, she helped lead the team to nine straight playoff appearances, a WNBA championship in 2010. And during her career, she also, as I mentioned, was a college coach in Charlotte, assistant coach there. She retired in 2019. And then um, Bill Lambeer picked her up. Um, but joining prior to joining the WNBA, she was at Penn State, where she was a three-time Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. Hence that defensive mindset that um, you, you hear about in some of the quotes about Tanisha's hiring. That was definitely her specialty. 
What were your overall thoughts, uh, Tarika, when you heard about Tanisha's hiring? I was actually very excited about this opportunity. You know, I'll be honest and say that I honestly thought that she was primed for the head coaching position in Las Vegas. So I'm very excited about seeing what she's going to bring and what she's going to do. Um, but I know that in Vegas, they are certainly going to miss her. Well, and I think that 10 years of the Seattle Storm is key because that's an organization that has done things at the highest level. Atlanta Dream is trying to be that. She was mm-hmm. with the Storm between 2005, 2008, 2014, excuse me. She was with New York Liberty 25, 2015, 2016, and with the Minnesota Lynx in 2018, which I believe, I thought she may have played with Renee in Minnesota, but I could be wrong. Um, and then was with the Liberty in 2019. So long story short, congrats to Tanisha Wright. I am excited about the hiring and we will hear a little bit about that from Renee Montgomery later in the show. Um, without further delay, before we go, Tarika, can you tell the fans when they need to be watching the television for our WNBA finals? Absolutely. So as mentioned, game two is happening on Wednesday evening at nine o'clock PM Eastern time. Um, you can check that out on ESPN. Um, then the finals is going to transition to Chicago. So game three will be taking place on Friday, October 15th at nine o'clock PM on ESPN two, uh, depending how that series goes between Wednesday and Friday, if they game four is necessary That game will take place on Sunday, the 17th at 3 o'clock p.m. on ESPN. And game five, if necessary, hoping um, that uh, they make this a a, a long haul because we're not ready for WNBA season to be over just quite yet. If a game five is necessary, that is on Tuesday, October 19th at 9 o'clock p.m. back in Phoenix on ESPN2. There you have it. No excuses, ladies and gentlemen. And before we go, Tarika, you were at game one. You'll be there for the entire finals, which we're all so excited about. Tell me what you were feeling during the W25 recognition. The WNBA bought back as many of the legends in that top 25 of all time list as they could. Not everyone could be there, but a good number of our favorite WNBA players were in the building from Lisa Leslie to Tisha Pinachero um, to Cynthia Cooper. I mean, uh, Cappy Pondexter. What were you feeling when you were watching these players walk out onto the floor, get their Letterman jackets, get their Louis Vuitton bags, which were fly mm. shout out to the league. Like what, what was that moment? Like you were closer yes. to the than I was. I was, I was on the floor when they were getting their jackets and I just want to clear something up too very quickly because I've been seeing and hearing some rumors on Twitter and I want to make sure that this is very clear. Okay. Cheryl Swoops was intending to be in the building. However, Southwest and their airlines, unfortunately (laughs) canceled a lot of flights and unfortunately she was unable to make it. So those of you who are on Twitter and other social media outlets trying to make a story out of nothing, please stop it. It was a flight issue. Cheryl absolutely wanted to be there. And so with that being said, it was just a bunch of nostalgia. Okay. I'm watching all of my favorite players come out and you know how I feel about Cynthia Cooper. So when I saw Cynthia Cooper get her jacket, I wanted to run right up to her and be like, girl, 
like, you was really my goat, girl. You was really my goat. But um, uh, real in, in all honesty, it was really a sense of nostalgia. Um, it was great to see the league honor the women that paved the way for so many to be there. Um, it was great to see the young and the older players, which is what I really appreciated most um, over time. I wasn't a big fan of it in the beginning. You remember on the Twitter space that we had, I was like, man, some of these players are still playing. It's interesting to see that they were in this conversation. But honestly, as time has progressed and seeing really the culmination of what the WNBA was as to where the NBA, WNBA has gone when you watch all of them line up together with Candace and NECA and Brittany and, and DT coming off the bench to be with them and then seeing them alongside Lisa and Katie Smith. I mean, it was just really an amazing feeling. Um, and I can't wait to see what we're going to look like at 50. Like if this is 25, 50 going to be no. Oh, okay, I, I thought you meant us looking at 50. I was like, I ain't nobody mm. trying to see what we gonna look like at 50. No. <laughs> Talking about the league. I know, these, I know some of these legends look good, but you know, so I don't know. Would any of them even be 50? None of them are. Are any of them 50? I guess Coop has to be 50, right? Coop has to be like 50. 34. Dang, she looks so good. She does. She does. Ooh, yeah. I don't, but, want the, I don't want that to be the, the bar, the standard, because I don't know if I'm going to look at this. Some of us ain't going to make it. Some <laughs> of us ain't going to look at it. <laughs> Some of us ain't going to make it. That's so funny. Okay, so before we get into the interview, you have to tell us what you got in your clipboard. I do want to say a couple things. Listening to Sue Bird talk about Swing Cash at, at halftime was, it just... It was, it just brought tears to my eyes. Swin doesn't probably get the recognition that she deserves for what she's been to the league, um, especially on the side of the Players Association. But Sue came at it more from a teammate. Mm-hmm. And God, you know how we are about our teammates. Anyway, if you didn't get to see it, it was, it was a great moment. But I wanted to send a shout out to Swin. Two, I want to send a shout out to Bill Lambeer because with the hiring of Tanisha Wright, I don't think people realize how many former players Bill has put in position to become head coaches, including Vicki Johnson, including Tanisha Wright, including Katie Smith. Um, so shout out to Bill because behind the scenes and Lord knows y'all already know Bill can be a lot, but he's also done a lot. So put that out there. Um, and I also want to send some love to Twitter sports because Tarika, you were a part of a commercial that has been running during the finals uh, that Twitter Sports put out with our own Ari Chambers, who we've never really been able to get back on our show. Um, she was scheduled to come at one time, and then I don't know, you know, but that's okay because she's she's beyond us now. She's grown into she's a, bigger, much, now. a she's much bigger now. superstar. She just probably does not have time to be on Around the Room. Uh, but some of our favorite Twitter personalities were there, including you, very deservingly so, because of how you keep this sport alive. And I don't think you get the credit you deserve, Tarika, for how you are literally one of the people that is the glue for the WNBA. You are constantly tweeting, promoting players, um, creating conversation. Uh, you do so much and so much more beyond around the rim. To me, around the rim is the smallest part of what you do. Um, I've seen you help get people to games. I've seen you host pre-games for the Connecticut Sun. Um, you are constantly trying to give back to this sport. And so I was happy to see you even get that little moment of recognition. But what was it like to be a part of that? 
Well, first off, thank you, LaChina. I told you I'm a thug. Y'all quit trying to make me cry on these platforms. Um, but no, it was actually a lot of fun. Um, definitely big shout out to Twitter Sports and to Ari Chambers for even inviting me to be a part of that moment. Um, it was literally a lot of fun meeting some of the faces that, you know, you kind of feel like you have a family with the people that you talk to all the time on Twitter that you forget that some of them you've never actually ever met in person. And so when you find get that opportunity um you really do understand why you're so connected so that was also a lot of fun um and then just most importantly just being able to do something for the w in a way that we had not ever seen before you know when ari tweeted the WNBA is so important it was really a movement and i think that it's wonderful that so many others are starting to recognize what a statement and how bold that was and the movement that can be made from it so it was just all all together fun it's been hard to keep quiet for like three months because i've had y'all know i be want to tell everybody business and i was like oh i gotta shut up for three months yeah. <laughs> That under wraps. I mean, I knew we did. Utah. I mean, of uh, course, but um, yeah. Cyril Spoots was there. I know Jasmine Baker yes. was there. Erica yes. Ayala. Erica yep. Ayala. Ayala. Yes. Ellen Tuck. And Meredith. Um, Meredith. Meredith Mincal was there. Okay. Meredith um, was there. Yeah. Yes. Um, and Justine Brown, and that was definitely dope. Um, Pepper was there. We oh, love Pepper. Pepper. She's an icon. She is. Pepper was there. Um, and they also, big shout out to Hoop York City. They're um, a, a young youth affiliate um, basketball group in, in Harlem, and they were amazing, and they had to be the most tired because you don't really realize how many times you do the same thing over and over and over and over for a commercial. And I couldn't run up and down that court once. They did it like a hundred times. <laughs> I mean, it looked good. The whole thing looked good. And shout out to Adina Jones also known as Adina Andrews on Twitter, who was the mastermind behind that spot, been a good friend. Um, back in her Atlanta days, was, was, was a good friend, and I haven't been able to keep up with her as much, but uh, what a creative mind. She, I do know she's brilliant, if nothing else, and that I'm sure hasn't changed. Um, she was behind that movement, but just a big love to the entire Twitter family. TJ, Kelsey. TJ, for sure. Don yeah. Lee. Um, Britt O, who I know isn't there anymore, but she was a part of it, like the whole Twitter and Twitter sports crew. We appreciate you. Well, with that, I guess let's just get into the show. All right, basketball fans. Well, game one of the WNBA finals is in the books, and that means we've got to talk about it. LaChina Robinson with you, along with my fantastic and fabulous producer, Tarika Foster-Brasby, and the superstar of all superstars. Like, I don't even know how we got this woman on our podcast because you just never know where she's going to pop up on ESPN, on Broadway, on NBC, on CBS. Not on Broadway. She's, yes, I see, I see the potential. I see the potential. Monica McNutt, the one and only, has made time to be with us today. What up, Moni? Hi, China. Hey, Tarika. Of course I made time to be with y'all. In fact, I want you guys to know that you are my last media commitment while I navigate this move over the next 10 days. But you know, I was coming through to talk to y'all. Oh my goodness, we feel so lucky that we snagged you. Now, how long are you going to be off the radar? Because we need to know these kind of things. Like if we're not going to see you, we love seeing you. How long will this be? Okay, so I probably won't pop up again until the 22nd um, okay. when I hop in for Nick's stuff. 
Knicks pre and post, but that'll be my first game. I, there might be an around the horn in there if I can get situated and comfortable in New York, but I'm thinking probably not. So I have to do this really quickly, and Tariq is going to be mad because I know we're on limited time, but you have captivated the entire heart, mind, and spirit of the WNBA audience with your knowledge, your presence, your brilliance, just everything about Monica. Can you give us just a, a quick, like, what are you doing now? Where can fans find you? And maybe even your first WNBA, like what made you want to work in the WNBA? Okay, so let me just second question first. Um, that's where I fell in love with the game. Like, I know Coop has been on this incredible media tour, Cynthia Cooper, that is, um, and just taking different interviews. I've had a chance to chat with her twice now through the celebration of 25. And it's, I've said to her, I'm fangirling, even though I'm supposed to be the professional, because you were, I have her jersey. Like, she was a huge reason as to why I fell in love with the game in the first place. Um, and then it was the Washington Mystics growing up here in the D.C. area. So the W has been a, not just a part of my basketball love story, like it really is the impetus for me. Like it was the first real seed that I remember being planted in terms of why I love this game, being able to see women that look like me, my dad, my family, we were all into it. Like, I don't know that I'm a basketball player without the W, quite honestly. Um, and then what I've been up to lately, girl, I just be working. China, like I just be working. <laughs> well, um, and I, I say that because you're, you have brought an audience to the WNBA. You've brought a broader audience to the WNBA because of the number of places you occupy. Sports Center, Around the Horn. You know, you, you've made the WNBA women's basketball your topic a number of times on that show. Like you are broadening our reach, literally, yeah. as a personality. So where else, now that WNBA will be over, does this mean you won't be tweeting during the rest of the season, during the games? What you mean? Of course. I'll be watching. Oh. I'll okay. Be watching. I, I was going to say, does that break mean break no, no, no. from the WBA finals? No, no, no. I will be able to watch the finals and enjoy the finals. Like, okay, the, the game one, I was like, oh, I miss them. I want to be there. But then I was also like, I have a whole move to navigate. So this actually works out. Um, well, we wanted you there. But yes, where can WNBA fans follow you after the season's over? All right, so I will be a part of the pre and post game show um, with the New York Knicks MSG Networks. Um, I'm joining the ESPN NBA family, so we got different roles budding there. Um, and then, you know, I'll still be doing around the horn, debatable sports center. It's funny you mentioned the sports center thing because that may be the only caveat in which I'll do TV from my home over my little break because it's the finals. And if they need an analyst to jump in and back the finals, like I'm going to wake up and do that. And my mandate, I've told Coach Peck this a bunch, because they would we would finish a late game in semifinals and maybe the 7 a.m. show would want me. And it's a tough turnaround. But as a little girl, having fallen in love with the WNBA and had this inkling of wanting to talk about sports on television, I see myself sitting in front of the TV saying, why aren't they talking about the WNBA semis or now the finals? And right. so I wanted to be there for myself. And so... Renee, coach, and I just had a great moment joking about that. But I mean that sincerely. The same way I get to show up for the NBA finals, like, let's go. This is the WNBA finals. Let's talk about it. Well, you guys were fantastic in the studio. We had so much fun watching you. Thank you for carrying the torch and for growing the sport. And yeah, you're stuck with us now. So, um, all right. <laughs> so now let's get into the, the WNBA finals game number one. And I'll start with you with this, Monica. What was the biggest surprise for you of game one? Obviously, Chicago won 91-77, but what surprised you about the game? I don't know that I was surprised, honestly, China. Like, it's so crazy. So back up a step. Game five, Aces, Phoenix, right? Mm -hmm. We all agreed. If the Aces handle their business, they'll be straight. If they make it close, you give in Diana Taurasi life. 
And that's exactly how it went down. Yeah. Now, we had a Twitter spaces before game one. And I, you know, you rattle off the things that Phoenix had been through. And I felt like at some point, it was going to catch up to them. Yeah. The injuries, the numbers, the quick turnaround. And Candace Parker, to me, has Chicago locked in in a way that I think we thought they would be when we heard about her going to Chicago, but had not seen through their glorious roller coaster of a regular season. So yeah. I can't, there wasn't, I wasn't really surprised, honestly. Well, you're absolutely right in that um, Phoenix had gone through a lot, right? And I feel like we had been saying all along that we weren't sure if Phoenix had enough depth because mm-hmm. when you look at their big three, they maybe got the biggest big three in the league. Now that's mm-hmm. without really thinking, thinking, but off the top of my head, I mean, I'm like, you know, if EVD was healthy, maybe we would be having a different conversation. Um, you know, Seattle does have Jewel Lloyd, Sue Bird, and Brian Stewart. But I mean, looking at what just took place in the Olympics, Diana being named the GOAT, Brittany mm-hmm. Griner dominating in the world, you know, Skylar Diggins has had a great season. Like they may have the best big three, but you know you're gonna need more support as yeah. as time goes on. And the injury to Kia Nurse, um, and just their overall roster makeup, they don't have as much depth as, as Chicago, quite frankly. I mean, when you can bring Stephanie Dolson off of the bench, Diamond DeShields off of the bench, like you're starting five all scored in double figures in that first game. There are a lot of things that caught up with Phoenix, in addition to the fatigue of having mm-hmm, to play Friday mm-hmm, and all mm-hmm. that. But barring any excuses, did you feel like Chicago's, defense on Brittany Griner was what was disrupting her or do you feel like Brittany got in her own way because that's probably my biggest mystery or my biggest surprise of game one that Brittany was not more effective now she did have 20 points but we didn't see that same monster in Brittany Griner that we saw against Vegas China is so crazy because Listen, this is a space where we love and celebrate women's basketball but we're having a constructive conversation yeah. It is the BG, dominant BG versus present BG is, while the stats may not always bear it out, if you're watching, that is night and day in performance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And even going into Vegas, to me, if she was game five BG throughout the entire series, I'm like, Vegas is in trouble. But we just don't get that consistently enough. And so it's, it's hard for me to say which of the two it is, because that is that lesser level of dominance from BG doesn't surprise me because I don't I don't bank on that every day. Yeah. I bank on her flirting with a double double. I bank on her being on the floor if she's healthy, but being dominant like that is very much to me. It's almost a byproduct of the other two and of the other two of that big three playing well and the role players playing well. Because yeah. I think when she's picking apart screens and her teammates are hitting those shots then she's energized. And so now she knows that the defense has to account for my team's ability to knock down shots. And now I'm really going to work in this paint. And so Chicago's defensive intensity has been renewed throughout the series. And so I would give them credit credit there, but, and, and again, like I can only imagine what it is to be six, eight and be that dom- be able to be that physically dominant. I've never had to play that position, mm-hmm. but I, that is always sort of my question, which version of BG is going to absolutely show up because while Candace may have drawn that assignment or even Azurae draws that assignment to a degree, if she's locked in all the way, like that's a tough day at the office for either one of them. You're not going to flat out stop her. 
Yeah, like no one should be able to guard her from what we've seen. And I think she's been more on in these playoffs than she's been off. Like I can only remember maybe one other game where I felt like she wasn't locked in. And I believe that it's because teams started playing her in that one-on-one exclusive coverage. Like Mm -hmm. that to me, once teams started making that switch and only Vegas could really do that with Liz and the size they have. And honestly, Chicago's length of Stevens and Parker did bother Griner, but there's only been a, like one game where I could say she wasn't locked in, but when she starts floating around and not posting up hard, yeah, yeah, when she's not demanding the basketball, and she's so nice, she's so nice. Like I yeah. think Brittany spent the first part of her career really being afraid to hurt people. I used to say mm. that all the time. Like I feel like Brittany was like, I can't do that. Like I'm gonna hurt somebody. I'm six yeah. nine, and I'm now yeah. she's two forty. You know, but I I think she was more comfortable to your point in those double teams. Because it was like, all right, you know, I'm going to get my teammates going. But then there's so much pressure when you're one-on-one. Yeah. And people yeah. think you should score automatically. I just had to get that out of the way with Reiner because as we talk about what went wrong in game one, the pace of the game just blew Phoenix away. And they mm-hmm. could not get into a track meet with Chicago. Chicago went on a 17-0 run in the second quarter. And that was pretty much it. If you dump the ball inside to Brittany Griner which forces you to slow the pace of the game, Mm -hmm, put mm -hmm. you in better rebounding position. You may even have to reverse the ball if there's a double team. Like that keeps Chicago from that, you know, up and down. Track me. Right, that that they want to run. So my other question is this. We talk about BG being almost unguardable, you know, in stretches on the offensive end when she wants to. Is there anyone that can guard Kalia Copper? Who chat? Cop is my favorite. Uh, like, we were talking about awards and stuff. I was like, she hasn't been most improved. Like, it feels like she should have been most improved. Um, let me see. Let's think about that roster. Uh, Quigs or Sloot, that's tough. No. Uh, and and is a little bit out of position. That's tough. Candace, if she, if she wanted to, but it's still out of position. No. And I think it's not even just um, one-on-one with Cop. It is mm-hmm. the way she plays within the game. You got to be quick enough to catch her, first of all. Then you got to, if you're going to defend her, you got to be there on the flight of the ball because that first step is crazy, right? Mm -hmm. And then if you do manage to stay with her, now you got to stay in the paint and defend as she gets all types of English around the rim and is willing to absorb contact. Mm -hmm. But she gets that free reign and it's kind of that, oh, snap, we lost track of her because of the way Candace is playing, because when Quigley is hitting two or more threes, their team is like significantly better than when she only hits one. Um, because of the way that Sloot is able to distribute the ball. That's not to say that Kai has not absolutely worked on her game and been able to find her spots, because I, I know that she has and she's talked about that. But they always talk about that player that kind of becomes um, the release valve. And mm-hmm. I mean, she's way more than just a release valve. But to me, she was the one that I think maybe people didn't account for and has just yeah. blossomed so tremendously. Yeah, I mean, they, they're excited to get Sophie Cunningham back, right? Phoenix is. And Sandy thinks mm-hmm. Sophie will make a difference. Sophie would be, I'm pretty sure, their only six-foot wing. I think Bria Hartley might be 5'10", maybe Megan Walker is six-foot. But, um, you know, Sophie gives them some size. She does not have the foot speed, not even close to what Kalia Copper has. But she does have a lot of toughness. She will be physical with you. She would body you, and her effort will be there. I just yeah. don't know if there's anyone on this roster. Now, you take even – I mean, because Shea Petty's probably, what, 5'8". Smaller. Um, mm-hmm. Tyler Diggins-Smith is maybe 5'9". 
So it's that it's that it's that six foot wing that you just really need. Like even if it had been Vegas, I'm like, okay, what would they have done at the three spot? Like, you know, if Angel was healthy, then that would be one thing. Chelsea Gray's got some size to her, but I think Copper's combination of size, quickness, like strength, athleticism, all of that is just a tough matchup. Like, yeah, maybe Jackie. If it had been Vegas? Jackie. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Jackie Jackie could have definitely guarded her. But then you're mm-hmm. like, all right, so if Jackie guarded her, then, and this is where Vegas becomes trouble. I mean, uh, Chicago becomes trouble. It's like, who guards Quigley? And then who, you know, like when Diamond yeah. comes into the game, then who guards her? Mm-hmm. Anyway, it, it's just an issue. So looking ahead to game two, what would you say are the biggest adjustments that need to be made? Uh, I mean, the first one that comes to mind is pace, like straight up. And I don't have, I don't have the box in front of me, but I would venture to say for me, I'm always a rebounding girl. Like I know that that translates different on collegiate and pro level, but I think when you are trying to slow down pace, Mm -hmm. you got to take away second chance opportunities because you look up and score his run up. You got to give yourself second chance opportunities because if you know you're slowing down pace, Offensive rebound, maybe it's not automatically a putback. It's a reset because we're trying to hold on to this basketball. So to me, it's the rebounding thing is going to be huge in that matchup. Um, You you know, this is such great basketball analysis, but Phoenix is going to have to hit some shots, right? Mm -hmm. Like DT was irritated early in that ball game. I think the combination of that frustration, the fatigue, it, it did not. And I remember Sue talking about this with you guys in the halftime. It wasn't a positive like it wasn't oh you poked the bear yeah. it was you poked the bear the bear feels being poked and now the cubs are kind of like uh what's going on with our leader yeah um so i think there is a level of composure that has to um increase you gotta rebound and you're gonna have to figure out a way to slow down the pace you know it, it's funny when you say they got to hit shots skylar diggins smith took nine field goal attempts. And I want to say she took a majority of those in the first half. She's who I think has to be the ringer for them on offensive, on the offensive end. She had 15 points, you know, fairly good stat line four assists, but she's capable of so much more. And I thought she was passive. Like there were several Mm -hmm. possessions where I was like, damn, Skylar should have continued on that or should have taken that shot. I thought that she passed the ball more than she should have. That that is where I agree with you in terms of, you know, make, trying to hit shots. And to your point, Diana had six turnovers and five personal yeah. fouls. And Candace yeah. Parker actually drew two offensive yep. fouls on Diana Taurasi. Candace Parker was sensational on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. Like when you go back and watch that game, the, the, the amount of floor coverage Candace gives you defensively. And she also picked up an offensive foul on Brittany Griner in the game. And I was just like, wow, Candace is out here frustrating folks. The defense. Uh, she was, she was so good defensively, but I think the biggest change for me out of all of this for Phoenix, yes, they have to find a, They have to find an answer for Kalia Copper. You cannot allow Sloot to walk off the floor with zero turnovers. She had 12 points, 11 assists. Sloot, there it zero, is. Zero turnovers, Renee Montgomery. Sloot, there it is. How hard is it to have zero turnovers in 28 minutes of play in a finals game, Renee? No, that's super tough. Just knowing that when you're in the finals, you're even more locked in than you were in the semifinals in the sense of knowing the scout, knowing where people are going to be. So they're already going to be anticipating the plays, anticipating where you want to go. So for her to not turn it over, knowing that type of attention to detail, yeah, that's tough. 
I mean, she, you got to bother her. If you have any, and, and I believe when Chicago went on that 11-0 run at the end of the game, James had already p- pulled her out and then put her back in because they're shaky when she's not in the game. And she mm-hmm. picked up two fouls early. I'm surprised they didn't attack her more because yeah, I would have been did. like, oh yeah, let's get Slute on her heels. Let's get her on the bench. And then let's see how Chicago looks on the offensive end with her out. I, the, I, I, that was a missed opportunity. Yeah. Now the one thing I will, I will, Give uh, who we talking about? Phoenix a little bit of grace. You gotta have the stamina to frustrate and turn Slute over because she's not just gonna give the ball away. You know sure. what I mean? And sure. I don't. As we talk about personnel, when it comes to Copper, I'm, yes, Skyler can turn it on and be a dog defensively in spots. But there was so much else. You know, like she was trying to give this team some offense. Like there was so much else. And I find, and, and Renee, tell me if you agree, but Slute gets a little bit more frustrated when you can run traps at her when you got people jumping into passing lanes and bodying up people as they're cutting when she's looking for them. But if you just let her, one man, one man, one man, like she, all right, she gonna handle the rock. Yeah, she can pick you apart for sure. And that, and that's the thing. I think that the, the defensive pressure, I mean, even if you flip with the size, look at the defensive pressure that Chicago put on, on Phoenix. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was interesting to see. And you got to assume that obviously we all know coming off of only a two day break, play game five, you know, had to saddle up and giddy up and do it again. So yeah, Louie was picking apart the defense, just chilling. And everyone knows like you have to put pressure on her. You have to put size body into, like you said, Monica trap, if you can, uh, but you got to be ready to rotate to the easiest pass. Like you have to leave the furthest pass open because mm-hmm. don't leave the hard pass open. She can make the hard pass. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I know we have to wrap this segment because Renee is here for a whole nother reason. Before we go, I need both of you guys, Monica and Renee. Um, that's Renee Montgomery. I'm sure I don't even have to say that at this point to the audience. But <laughs> give me your one hot take for game two. Just whatever it is, either adjustment, somebody's going to go off. Give me your one hot take for, for, the, for Wednesday's game. I'll start with mine. Okay. Leave. Dolson open. This is a hot take. So, and it's Dolson, it's Stevens, and it's Parker. I'm at all three of them too. Brittany Griner needs to stay in the paint. Okay. Force Chicago to three ball you. Like they only ended up with eight threes. It looked like it might have been worse than that at some point. I just don't like Brittany Griner coming out of the paint to guard the three point line because Chicago has not hit them consistently. Parker just started hitting threes in the playoffs. Dolson, yes, had a great game. Azrae Stevens is capable. But in my opinion, you need Brittany Gr- Like, you need her to protect the paint. Leave her in there. That's my hot, that's my hot take. Like, if Dolson, okay. if, if Dolson ends up with, what does she have? How many threes does she have? She had two threes. If she hits three in the first half, all right, go out there and guard her. If not, sit your butt in the paint and let everybody else figure it out. What's your hot take, Monica? Is that hot? I think I, I, okay. That makes sense. Um, I, I wasn't going that way with hot. I was just going, I wasn't going schematically. I got Brianna Turner, another breakout performance. Okay. She wasn't um, great think, in game one. Yeah. She wasn't great in game one, but I think because of the nature of her game, she's one of those players that kind of has to get a feel for the series a little bit. And I think if she is making people pay offensive, we talk about those offensive rebounds, second chance opportunities, just being solid defensively she's another small engine for that team, right? 
Um, and then there's a little bit more room for BG to work in that face-up game that she killed in in the semifinal. You know, there's a little bit more rhythm in terms of Shay catching and being able to hit shots. A little bit more space for Skylar because you got to be mindful. Is Turner lurking somewhere for this little dump-down shovel pass? So I got Brianna Turner turning it up. Okay, to your point, oh, she was better in the second half than she was in the first. So she does yeah. get better as it goes on. All right, mm -hmm. Renee. My hot take is that Sophie Cunningham changes everything because mm -hmm. now you have a knockdown shooter that pulls all that defense that's been mucking it up. Now you have somebody you got to stay glued to, which changes your defense instantly. So um, I'm hearing that she's back for game two. So my take is that it's a bigger deal than we think. I like that. I like that too. and Bria Hartley combined for three for 15, yep. right? That was a lot for them to have to do. For them to play 16 and 21 minutes, that's a lot for Kia. And a lot, 21 minutes is a lot. I for love Kia. Off of a, coming off of an injury. Yeah. I love Kia too, but she did have mm -hmm. five turnovers. Yeah, and yeah. Rondello said, you know, hey, she'll be better. And I believe that because she is very dependable. But to your point, Renee, if Cunningham can take some of those minutes from Hartley and just take some pressure off of her, I think that is a better situation all the way around. All right. I just wanted to say just how excited we are for Tunisia, not, not just because of the talented coach she is, but of someone that grew up play, like playing, played in the WNBA, you know, to per se paid her dues and was an assistant coach. And we love it. You know, I love everything about it. I love what she stood for as a player. I'm glad that I'm playing with her now and not against her. Like I'm just everything that she was, the leader she was, the response that we see on Twitter, for everybody telling exactly why they're excited for her, telling a story about their interaction with her, that's the exact type of person we want to build with, and that's the culture that we want to build here in Atlanta. So just just happy. I'm hype all around, to say the least. That's what I'll say. And are you able to share with us any other candidates you considered? Um, no, I just want to just share how excited I am about Tanisha, you know, and, and we did have other candidates in a sense of there were people that we thought of, but we just knew that she, she felt right. And she was just as excited as we were. So it just, we, we knew that we were entering something special. Thank you, Renee. <laughs> <laughs> Bye Thank you guys. Thank you. Anything else, Tariko? Did we want anything else from Monica before she goes on the hiatus? Come on. Oof. Monica, what's good? Listen, I know that you have serious predictions that have been on your mind this entire time because I can see your face. Let me tell the audience something. When you guys are watching Monica in the host seat, right, there are moments where if you're really paying attention, you can see she's about two seconds away from <laughs> dropping an opinion or a hot take. And then she has to remember what role she's playing and Not she falls back yeah. into mm -hmm. the host. So mm -hmm. we want to give, we want to give what we're going to call a Monica moment, a moment for her to just get off of her chest. Everything she's been wanting to get off of her chest every time she's had to play the host and not the analyst. Monica, here's your moment. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I don't, there's not a ton because we've had really great uh, semi so far and then Renee and Carolyn did a great job. But I will say in terms of the way that we have consumed the league, I love the growth this year. Um, good, bad, or ugly. I think... The, I will say this. I think we need to do a better job of respecting people that are doing the work, even if it's not in the most traditional senses. And that is an ode and a shout out to the good Christina Williams over at Girls Talk Sports TV. Um, that, that moment on set where Renee was willing to be honest and open with us about the situation in Atlanta was a different um, 
muscle for me because we were in the studio having a blast and we had to get a little bit more serious. Um, it was never my intention to slight Christina, um, but I do understand the battle that she's fighting as a journalist who's created a lane and a platform of her own. Um, and so I just think in general, we need to do a better job of listening to the information and not questioning people's credentials because they don't necessarily look like ours. And that's not us as in LaChina, Tariqa, Renee and I, but just in general. And then for us though, we can have those people's backs when the people from XYZ company or whatever want to have something to say. So um, I love the W, I love everything that it stands for and the way that we support one another. Um, I don't want us to get lost in the weeds on, on stuff like that because there's so much good and so much great work that Christina and so many other journalists covering the league are doing. But I think it's the non-traditional that's helped the sport grow. Like we weren't, having, we weren't having this level of breaking news in the WNBA before the last few years, before a lot of these new journalists arrived and new faces. We weren't having hilarious halftimes before you and Carolyn and, <laughs> and Renee came along. Like these are all elements that we need to happen to, to appeal to different audiences yeah. to grow the credibility of the sport. Like who wouldn't want a Woj? That's basically what Christina serves as. She's yeah. working her relationships with players. Like people don't even know how much work goes into yeah. establishing that credit in the sh short amount of time that Christina has done it. Um, it it's really incredible. Um, but thank you for sharing that, Monica. And I just want to say this too. I have a video of Monica in studio. This is my Monica. This is my Monica moment. Oh God. I, I have a video of Monica in studio and I might post it. The only thing is I was, I was rattling with my phone. So I got it late. My sis, my good sis pulled out the popcorn, right? So she got the popcorn coming out the bag. And then all I caught was this. I mean, she rolled up that bag so quick. When I tell you she had that popcorn bag, it's almost like she rolled it up and put it on her hip for the next time that she was going to pull it out. Girl, I thought you were going to say something else. The popcorn, yes. But we also had some dance moments. I was like, did she see that? <laughs> I loved it. I was like, is that Monica rolling up? You know how you be at Girl, home with the chips? She was rolling up that bag. <laughs> we need all these outtakes. I need all the video footage. All, all the, of these we outtakes. Had so much fun in the studio, y'all. Like it, And I'll be honest, because like I got into the space to be at games. And I told Sarah, I told Renee, I told Carolyn when we left, like it grew on me more than I thought it would. Because, you know, like, I want to be at the game. I got things to say. We only got five minutes. But we had so much fun. Um, I learned so much from those guys. And I appreciate our producers for letting us get a little creative. We threw Coach over at the uh, the board or whatever and all that good stuff. You so, had yeah. KFC in the studio? Oh, yeah. Like, real KFC, like the Colonel. Not like, <laughs> like y'all had that Colonel fried chicken up in there. Um, I still think the most sentimental moment, even throughout all of the WNBA coverage that you guys did, was definitely the flowers for Angel. Yeah, like you and Andrea yeah. doing that. Yes. Y'all had us Terry. We thugs, Monica. You can't do that to us. Okay? Listen, yeah, that was all Drea, Drea, though. And of course, I was like, absolutely, let's do it. Like, but that was Drea. That was that was a good moment. Yeah, shout out to Drea too. Like, killed it this year. Like those, you know, it's just been so great to see the family grow. And to that point, Monica, thank you so much for joining us today. Enjoy. I know it's going to be hectic with your two weeks, but I hope you get a little bit of a break because you yes. are probably the hardest working woman in sports media. So take Girl. some time for you. Um, congratulations on everything you have going on. And um, yeah, we better see you next WNBA season. Or Absolutely. We get after it. <laughs> Save some space. I know WNBA and NBA season overlap, but they're going to have to, they're going to have to. <laughs> Move over. We got open <laughs> we'll figure it out, but appreciate you. 
All right, y'all. Love y'all. Thank Talk y'all you. soon. Love you. Bye, Mo. Um, any other? I heard that the Obamas are supposed to be in Chicago. Uh, my mom is coming to Chicago, so that will be chaotic. She wants yes. to attend finals. Yes, around the rim. We are absolutely going to get yeah. mama on the show yeah. because unless be she's got to be on the show, period. She's going to be Definitely. on around the rim and I'm nervous. Um, <laughs> other than that, you guys know when the games are. We hope to see you there. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter at Around the Rim Pod. You can follow LaChina at LaChina Robinson. You can follow me at She Knows Sports. And you can also send us an email at Around the Rim Podcast at gmail.com. We love for you to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Leave your reviews on Apple. And yeah. Thank you for tuning in to another episode and we will talk to you probably later this week. Yeah. 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 All right. It's been real guys.